0: Hey guys, my name is Lisa M. Waring and this is Real Talk, a podcast where I discuss movies and TV more extensively and how art imitates life, imitates art. As you know, the theme is Horror Month and I'm going to be dropping a poll this Friday for you guys to vote on the final scary movie I watch at the end of this month. Look for the poll in the community tab. So make sure you check it out. I couldn't have my first scary theme month without incorporating at least one. Jordan Peele movie, and today that movie is the 2019 thriller *Us*. Spoilers ahead. Let's get into it. A title card on the screen says that there are miles and miles of tunnels all throughout the entire United States. For what purpose? No one knows. Let's keep that in mind, shall we? On screen is a stand with a 80s TV playing commercials from back in the day. Ah. The 80s. A time when there were only like five channels of content to choose from. And no remote controls. And you couldn't skip commercials. I'm probably in the minority here, but I kind of miss it. One of the videotapes on the stand is a movie called Chud, which is basically a movie about monsters coming up from the sewers. And then a commercial for Hands Across America plays. We're getting lots of context and foreshadowing in this frame. It's 1986 and little Adelaide is at the fair with her mother and father playing some games until she wanders off into a house of mirrors. I don't know why they call it a fun house. There is nothing fun about this. Then the lights go out while she's inside the house of mirrors by herself. I'm scared. I'm getting heart palpitations while watching this. To calm herself, Adelaide starts whistling, and then she hears like an echo of whistling. She turns around, but one of the reflections does not turn around. We see a look of terror come over Adelaide's face, and then we cut to a wall of rabbits in cages. Eerie, chanting, childlike music comes on. I know what that means. Time to leave. It's present day and a family of four is driving through the beautiful countryside and arrive at a cabin. People, what have we learned? No capes and no cabins. We've got the Wilsons, mom, dad, daughter, son, all settling in and the mother gets a flashback to her younger self, the same little girl from the beginning. So, this is our Adelaide all grown up. In the flashback, this is what happened after her parents found her when she got lost. They're at a specialist because little Adelaide won't talk. The carnival beachside where Adelaide had gone as a child, that was Santa Cruz. And now as an adult, her family has returned to the area, and she doesn't want to go to the beach. Can't say I blame her. But I have a different reason. I'm just not a beach person. I'll go to the beach. It was always under the context of my family or my friends wanted to go. You are never going to hear me suggest the beach as a fun thing to do. I don't hate it. I don't hate it, guys. I don't hate it. It's just, it's, so, it's a lot. It's a lot. The sun, the sand, the water. I know how to swim, but okay, I'm, I'm, I'm getting sidetracked here. Anyway, Gabe kind of convinces her, no, it's okay, let's go to the beach. We'll meet up with our friends. On the way to the beach, they pass by a man who's kind of bloody and he's on a stretcher. In his hand, he's holding a sign that says, Jeremiah 1111. This is the same man that Adelaide walks by when she's younger before she gets lost in the mirrors. He was just a random guy holding a sign. Or so we think. That feels like a bad almond to me. Let's turn around. Let's, let's go. Let's just go home. They meet up with their friends, Josh and Kitty, and their two teenage daughters. Oh, great. More creepy chanting music. Nice. Adelaide is on edge. I'm on edge. Something definitely feels off in the air. Adelaide's son, Jason, goes off to use the bathroom on his own. Adelaide can't find him and starts freaking out. She's running all over the place. He shows up. He's all fine. She tells him not to do that again and hugs him very tightly. How Samira's really messed my girl up. Now, Jason did run into a creepy man standing on the beach with his hands outstretched. We don't really see his face, but there is some blood dripping from his fingers. But that's all you see. It's night and they're back at the cabin or Airbnb or whatever. Like, it's not really a cabin, but it's secluded enough that it it could pass for one. It's like a beach house. That night, Adelaide tells Gabe she wants to go home. She don't wanna stay there no more. She's not, she doesn't have a good feeling about anything. And she begins to tell him that when she was younger, she got lost and ran into a house full of mirrors, saw a girl that looked exactly identical to her, scared the daylights out of her, ran away, and ever since then, she has felt that this girl is coming for her. Gabe is understandably a little skeptical. She tells him things have just been lining up in an odd way. And she feels like it's because the girl is getting closer. Then the lights flicker off in the house. Okay, I'm ready to go. Where are the keys? Their son comes to the doorway and he says, there's a family in our driveway. And already the way he says it, mm They look outside and they see four figures in the shadows. I'm definitely done. Ed calls the police. Gabe thinks she's overreacting, so he goes outside and tries to talk to them, but they're just standing in the shadows, not saying a thing. It's really spooky. And I'm scared. I think Gabe is scared because he goes back in the house and gets his bat, and he returns with a little bit more bass in his voice do we have a problem then the biggest figure of the family starts walking towards him and something about that walk gabe picks up on and he jets it back in the house locks the door the family outside finds the hideaway key and they use it to get in the house the whole family is wearing red jumpsuits and then they step out of the shadows it is identical versions of the family and it's clearly a face-off between the two families I'm gonna just refer to them as the shadow people because they came out the shadows. The shadow form of Adelaide, her name is Red, and she steps forward holding the scariest pair of golden scissors I've ever seen. And if you're wondering about her big husband, Gabe, the shadow version of Gabe, whose name is Abraham, kind of beat him with a bat, so he's injured. They're all in the living room, and red handcuffs addedly to the table while she tells her a story. There once was a girl tethered to a shadow. When the girl ate, her food was warm and tasty. When the shadow ate, it was raw rabbit. For Christmas, the girl received toys. The shadow received pointy objects that cut her fingers. The girl met a prince, and because the prince and Abraham were tethered, the shadow, Had to be with Abraham. The girl had two children, so the shadow had two children. The shadow hated the girl so much, but so long. Adelaide's like, who are you people? Red's answer? We're Americans. Red is the only shadow person who can talk. Everyone else just grunts and makes weird animal noises. And even in her speech, Red's voice is strained red signals to Abraham the shadow dad who grabs Gabe and drags him out of the room red then looks at Zora and tells her to run now the thing about Zora is she was a track star but she had mentioned she wanted to give up running not today Zora you better run girl the shadow version of herself who is considered the monster starts running after her then Pluto takes Jason into the closet to start playing with the fire. Pluto loves fire, the shadow sun, and he lifts his mask to show that half his face is disfigured from playing with fire. Back at the house, Adelaide asks Red, what do you want? Red says they want to take their time. Ooh, creepy. They've been waiting for this day for so long. Gabe wakes up and manages to overtake Abraham and end him with the boat propellers. Jason locks Pluto in the closet and runs off. Adelaide frees herself from being handcuffed to the table. They run outside to where Zora has made it back to the house. They run to the dock and get on the boat and get away. Were you guys on edge? Because I was definitely on edge. We're at Kitty's house. And Kitty tells Josh, her husband, that she thinks she saw somebody outside. Can he go check it out? What have I said about doing that, people? All at once, identical versions of the whole family come out of the woodwork and wreck them all. It's a bit of a bloodbath. I'm not gonna lie to you. la Gabe, Jason, and Zora arrive to the house. Pretty much right after all this happened. <laughs> <laughs> Gabe manages to take care of Shadow Josh. He returns to the house, and they all are like, what is going on? They turn on the TV, and they find out this is happening across America. They see more reports of people being killed by doppelgangers. Gabe's ready to stay, but Adelaide's like, no. They think like us. They know how to find us. We got to keep moving. So they grab the keys get into their neighbor's car, and they're about to drive off when they see the shadow version of Zora standing in their way. The real Zora is in the driver's seat. She ends up running the gunning the engine and hitting her shadow self into a tree and having her impale herself on a branch. They drive through the night, and by the time daylight hits, they're basically back into the town, and there are bodies everywhere. There's a car on fire blocking their path so they stop Jason figures out it's a trap and they all get out the car. Then Pluto appears, the pyromaniac, hence the car on fire. Jason realizes he's still tethered to him and he proceeds to walk backwards, allowing for Pluto to mimic him. And Pluto walks right into the fire behind him. While everyone's distracted, Red comes out of nowhere, grabs Jason and takes him away. Gabe is still pretty injured. So he stays with Zora and Adelaide follows right back to the House of Mirrors. She finds a hidden door and begins to descend down steps and an escalator. She reaches the bottom and it's like this weird place with just rabbits hopping all over the place, just loose. She comes to an empty classroom where Red is writing on the chalkboard. But we don't see Jason. Then Red starts talking. Red loves telling stories. Red tells her that she thinks the humans that built this place figured out how to copy people, but not their souls. They wanted to use these copies to control the people above, but it failed. So they abandoned the project. Then they have this cool fighting sequence where Red has these, it almost seems like she's she's dancing, but almost as if she's a chess piece dancing who can only move in certain ways, straight lines. It's really cool. She is slicing Adelaide, but then Adelaide gets the upper hand and she stabs her in the gut and then snaps her her neck. Adelaide finds Jason and they get out of there. The family piles into an abandoned ambulance and drives away. As Adelaide is driving, we get another flashback to her as a child when she's not talking. Her parents are, they're at their wit's end, they're not sure what happened. And we see the funhouse mirrors again. Except this time, little Adelaide didn't run away. Little Adelaide was grabbed by the throat by her shadow version and dragged down underground. There's your twist. We have not been following Adelaide this whole time. We have been following... The shadow Adelaide. Flashback to the present. Her son is giving her a look because he knows. She smiles at him and continues driving. The camera pulls back and we see hills of the doppelgangers in their red jumpsuits holding hands. In the distance, there's smoke and helicopters everywhere. Roll credits. My thoughts. I remember when this first came out, people were comparing it to Get Out, and they were like, oh, this isn't as good. While I will say that Get Out is a very strong film out the gate, and this does not match it, on a second watch, this is a very strong standalone film. It's chilling. It's terrifying. It's good. The problem is that Get Out was such a masterpiece that those shoes were so huge to fill. Okay. Okay. So Adelaide was the shadow version the whole time. And some people actually kind of picked up on it. I was not one of those people. I was side blinded. So if you got it on the first watch, congrats. Super happy for you. Once you realize who Adelaide is, everything makes sense. Her not being able to talk. The tethered, the shadow people, they don't talk. That's why Red was the only one who could talk. There was a girl and the girl had a shadow. And the reason why Red talks like that now we see is because her vocal box, her vocal cords were damaged when she was yoked up by the neck in the mirror house. Now, when Adelaide manages to kill Red in the bunker, she lets out these guttural noises that are similar to Red, like she's reverting back. And she even momentarily laughs. It's creepy. She snaps out of it when she sees her son Jason, but I'm, I'm just telling you it's creepy. This is the first time we see her dark nature on display as the adult version. And I'm pretty sure that when Red took Jason away, she told him who she was and everything. Or he at least heard the backstory or whatever. Which is why he looked at his mom the way he looked at her at the very end. But regardless of her being a shallow person, that's still your mom. I don't think she would harm him, but keep your head on a swivel, Jason. That's all I'm saying. Lupita Noyonga, who played both Adelaide and Red, she caught some flack uh, for... Using this voice inflection and saying that it was partly inspired by uh, Robert F. Kennedy and larynx disorders, spasmodic dysphonia. I'm so sorry. I'm like butchering this. There is a group of people that suffer from this condition that makes them talk this way. The group of people who have this condition, they were kind of upset with Lapita when she had mention this. They did not want to be perceived as villains because of how it was used in the story. Lapita had apologized and said she wasn't trying to um, you know, make any marginal people look bad. She had just, you know, she had done research and other vocal injuries to inspire the inflections in the voice. I think people were a little too harsh on her about this. It makes sense in the story. And it talks more about the fact of her vocal cords being damaged than her talking that way because she's evil. And we find out that technically she was the real person the whole time. And she was thrust into this world, which changed her. Let's all just take a breather and remember this is still a work of fiction. One of my takeaways from the film was the two classes of people. The shadow versions who live underground and those who lived above it. The creators of this underground world sought control, just like every other establishment in place of power. How do I get these people to do what I want them to do? Now, we're, if we're thinking in terms of the above ground being upper class and the below ground being lower class, the people underground had to do whatever the people above ground were doing. Who really pulls the strings around here? Those above or those below? Mm-hmm. The doppelgangers also represent the dark sides of ourselves. In the movie, each family member ends up killing one or more of the shadow people. And not in delicate ways. They were fighting for their lives. For sure. But the survival instinct within, our, within them, within ourselves, came out. And the brutality of some of these deaths really showed and as red stated it wasn't just enough for her to break the tethered the shadow people free when they were above ground they were still prone to the control such as jason backing up forcing pluto to back up into the fire ultimately to break this connection somebody's gotta get (coughs) murk earlier in the film kitty had told adelaide she got some work done around her face little surgery, nip, tuck, whatever. When the shallow version of herself gets to the house, she has her own pair of gold scissors and she slices her face a little. I feel like that's almost a a leftover part of Kitty's surgery that she went through. The Hands Around America thing was the only element I really found difficult to apply suspension of belief to. You mean to tell me that the humans, government, scientists, whatever, created all of these doppelgangers across all of America who were mimicking what was happening above and they just abandoned them? They just thought, yeah, well, it's not going to be a problem that shows up later. Why didn't they clean house first? I know it sounds bad, but like, What do they think would happen? With all that being said, how do you guys feel about the movie? What symbols or theories or connections have you made? I know I didn't cover everything, but as always, we can meet up in the comment section and continue the conversation. So let's talk about it. If you enjoyed hanging out with me today, please hit that like button, subscribe, ring the notification bell so that you can always be up to date on what's happening. We're also on Spotify, Amazon Music, iHeartRadio, and wherever you listen to your podcasts. I'll drop some links in the description. Don't forget to vote this Friday. Look out for the poll in the community tab. See you guys next week. Later.